And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr, and suits so fine they made Sinatra look like a hobo. Is this your place, Carl? Yeah, what do you think? Really? It's really awful. But I have a lot of things that are on order, you know, credit trouble. Pay more attention to your schoolwork and listen to the radio. You always listen to the radio. It's different. Our lives are ruined already. The Whistler. self-destruct in five seconds. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, Stotts Cotsworth stars as Casey Crime Photographer in A Christmas Adventure from 1946. Then Phil is disappointed because his sponsor hasn't sent him a Christmas present on the Phil Harris and Alice Faye show from 1948. With me to help present these radio classics is my co-host, Lisa Wolf and my executive producer, Mike Costella. That's my team here. Hi, Lisa. Hi. We're feeling very team-like today. Yes. Hey, Mike. Hello. All right. Well, are we ready for Casey Crime Photographer? Ready. We sure are. All right. Now, Casey Crime Photographer, Stotts Cotsworth stars as Casey. He was also known as Flashgun Casey. This is a broadcast from... Christmas of 1946, December 19th to be exact. It's called Christmas Shopping. Here's part one of Casey, crime photographer. The Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation brings you Crime Photographer. Hey, Ethelbert. Oh, hello, Casey. What's Tony Marvin worrying about over there? Why, he's writing a holiday poem. <laughs> and he's stuck for something to rhyme with Christmas stocking. But... Ethelbert, are you kidding? Certainly not. Oh, you mean anchor, anchor hooking. Oh, gee, fellas, that's wonderful. Anchor hooking. A great name in glass. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Tony Marvin. Every week at this time, the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation of Lancaster, Ohio, and its more than 10,000 employees bring you another adventure of Casey, crime photographer, ace cameraman who covers the crime news of a great city. Written by Alonzo Dean Cole. Our adventure for tonight, Christmas shopping. Late afternoon, a crowded aisle in one of our city's largest department stores. Making slow headway through the jostling shoppers are... Casey, I've never seen the store so crowded. Yeah, we say that every year during the week before Christmas, Annie. Where, where are you taking me now, huh? Well, you haven't anything for your Aunt Harriet yet, oh, so I thought right. we'd look at umbrellas there. On this side of the store somewhere. Yeah. Annie, look, uh, you can pick up a much nicer umbrella for Aunt Harriet than I can. I trust your judgment absolutely, Annie. So suppose Suppose you... I shop for all the uninteresting items while you go up to the toy department and watch the electric trains again. Uh... <laughs> Well, you know I've still got to pick up a few more things for my sister's kids, Annie. And, and, hey, Annie, wait a minute. Hang on to your pocketbook. Keep an eye on that little guy in the black overcoat just ahead of us. Ooh. That's Fingers Fogarty. One of the best-known dips in the city. Pickpocket? Yep. Shove through this mob a little faster, Annie. Now, keep him in sight. I think he's closing in on a prospect. You mean he's made up his mind about whose pocket he's going to pick? Sure, smart dips like fingers don't dive into just anybody's pocket. They hang around bars and wait for some guy to flash a roll. And they tail him. If he gets into a crowd like this... 
Look, Fogarty's doing his stuff now, Henny. No. Yeah. That big fat guy he just bumped into, Fingers took a wallet from his inside pocket. Well, I didn't see him. Neither did the fat guy. Fingers is a smooth worker. Come on. You'll feel very badly when we stop his special brand of Christmas shopping, but pocket picking is considered antisocial. I've got to get Mr. Fogarty. Well, he squeezed through the crowd. I can't see him anymore. Uh, neither can I. Look, Casey, yell out for somebody to stop him. Well, I yell, stop thief. Well, you can't let him get away. You won't get away. Uh-uh. Every cop in this precinct knows Fingers. He'll be picked up quick after a charge is brought against him. I'll help that guy who lost his wallet bring the charge. Yes, too. if you appear as a witness. I will. There's the fat man. Excuse me, mister. Huh? <laughs> Something happened to you a minute ago that I don't think you know about. What do you mean? Your pocket was picked. My pocket? Yeah. A little guy bumped into you, and as he did, I saw his hand go into your inside pocket and come out with a wallet. Well, I happen to know who he is, and when you report your loss to the cops, I'll be glad... You're to... mistaken, mister. I didn't lose my wallet. Huh? I'm sure I... I'm more sure. I tell you, I saw him. When a guy sees something that couldn't be seen, he's either goofy or drunk. On your way, fella. Well, I'll be... Hmm. Good thing you didn't get your hands on fingers, Fogarty. What, what he could have plastered you with a nice suit for false arrest. And I know he took a wallet from that fat guy's pocket. I was watching every move that fingers made. Well, I was watching him, too, and I didn't see him take anything. And that fat man says he didn't lose a wallet, so... Okay, I'm goofy or drunk. Well, maybe you only need glasses. Well, I do after this. Several glasses. Let's head for the blue note. You and Casey get your Christmas shopping done this afternoon, Miss Wells? Well, I accomplished quite a lot, Ethelbert, but not Casey. He got sore, and after that, nothing would please him. What'd you get sore about, pal? Nothing. Oh, he had a little eye trouble. Oh, gee, that's too bad. Did you see spots floating in front of you, Casey? My eyes are okay. Now, fill that glass up again, Ethelbert, and don't ask so many right. silly questions. Mine too, Ethelbert. Right away, Miss Wells. Oh, now, Casey, don't you think it's about time you snapped out of your grouch? Well... It's pretty silly to get yourself all burned up just because you made a mistake. I didn't make a mistake, Annie. Fingers Fogarty took a wallet from that fat guy's pocket. What burns me up is I I didn't find out why the fat guy denied it. Well, how could you have found out? Oh, I don't know. But I'm supposed to be a newspaper guy, Annie. Well, we may have missed a story with pictures. Here's your refreshment, folks. Oh, thanks, Ethelbert. Say, have you stopped into your office since you finished shopping? Hey, uh, huh? bartender. Who's the boss here? Well, uh, what do you want? You want to buy a nice Christmas tree? You got some nice ones? A wagon full of them, fresh from Nova Scotia. Hmm. Let's see one. Well, I'll be right back. Say, um, Casey, have you two stopped in at your office since you finished your shopping? Certainly not. This is our day off. Then you ain't heard the big news yet. What big news? One of your police reporters, Jake Birkin, was in a few minutes ago and tipped me off about it. Gee, he was all excited. What happened, Ethelbert? About half an hour ago, the cops arrested the kidnapper and murderer of Gregory Walters. They did? Where? Well, where'd they get him? Well, like you know, before the Walters family paid over that $50,000 ransom to the kidnapper, yeah, yeah. the FBI made a list of the serial numbers on the bills, yeah. which they circulated all over the of country. Of course, you know? we know all that, Ethelbert. How's this tree, mister? Nice and bushy, huh? Hmm. Let's see one a little taller. A little taller, okay. Ethelbert, will you tell us about that kidnapper? Well, I'm getting to it. Come on, come on. Well, a guy walks into a tavern over on 36th Street tonight, orders a drink, and hands a barkeep a 20-buck bill with one of them hot numbers on it. The barkeep checks the number, calls a cop, and when the cop searched the guy, 
He found about 500 bucks more of the ransom dough in his pocket. Well, Ethel, but who is the guy who had the ransom dough? The cops identified him yet? Well, they knew him as soon as they laid eyes on him. But, yeah. Ethel, but who is he? Please. Uh, uh, huh? Hey. this tray big enough, mister? Uh, let's see. Well, let's see one a little thicker around the bottom. Thicker around the bottom. Ethel, yeah. will you please Casey tell and us? I know him. He's always been a small-time crook, and I was surprised to learn he was mixed up with anything so big as kidnapping and murder. Oh, say, will you tell us? I am telling you. It's that little runt, Fingers Fogarty. Fingers Fogarty? Yeah, the dip. He had Walter's ransom dough on him? About 500 bucks, just like I said. Naturally, Fingers denies having anything to do with the kidnapping. He said he lifted the dough out of the pocket of a guy who was Christmas shopping in S.J. Franken's department store. Franken's. Around four o'clock this afternoon. Casey Franken. And that fat guy denied he'd been robbed. Do you think he was the Oh, I can't see fingers as a kidnapper. He's always been just a slimy little sink thief. Hey, what's this about a fat guy, Casey? Annie, Annie, come on. We're going to tell Logan what happened in Franken's. Well, what did happen, Well, never mind. You'll hear it later, Ethelbert. So long. So long. Hey. Hey, is this one big enough for you, mister? I tell them, to a whole complete news story in two short words, then they run off and leave me out on a limb. What limb? Too big? Hmm? Oh, you. Uh, oh, oh, no, we've got to have a really big tree. You think Fingers Fogarty may be just the victim of circumstances, Casey. Circumstances peculiar to his profession. Miss Williams and I have told you what happened, Logan. You can add it up. Captain, have you got anything on Fogarty outside of the $500 found in his pocket? And I did, Miss Williams. A joint he lives in is being searched, but we don't think he was chump enough to hide the rest of his ransom money there. If he lifted the five C's and that fat guy, he has no rest of the dough to hide. Now, look, Casey... Fingers Fogarty knows you pretty well, doesn't he? Yeah, sure, he knows me, certainly. Now, hasn't it occurred to you that he may have put out an act for your benefit? Hmm? I don't catch you. Now, let's assume that Fingers is the real kidnapper. It's been over a year since the ransom money was paid. Fingers has been careful. He hasn't tried to pass any of the 50 grand because he knows it's red hot. But now he figures the heat has died down, so he sends up a trial balloon. How do you mean trial balloon? Oh, he's got a record as a dip, Miss Williams. He figures if he gets caught passing that dough, we'll believe that he lifted the money from a guy's pocket. And to cinch it, he acts like he's lifting it from a guy's pocket while Casey is watching him. <laughs> he picked you for his star witness, pal. Logan, huh? hasn't it occurred to you that the fat guy might have been sending up that trial balloon? Huh? What do you mean? Assume the fat guy is the real kidnapper. And he wants to know how safe it is to pass those ransom bills. He knows that Fingers is a pickpocket. Well, he goes to one of the little runt's hangouts and flashes a roll in front of him. And then he leaves the joint, saunters into a crowded store where it'll be easy for Fingers to work, and Fingers does exactly what's expected of him. Uh, That's a reasonable theory, Captain. Uh, sure. If Fingers gets caught passing that dough, the kidnapper learns about it from the papers and continues to let the money cool off. Also, Fingers has a long record. You cops won't believe anything he tells you. You'll tag him as the Walters kidnapper. Which will leave the real one sitting pretty. The only thing the real kidnapper didn't figure was that someone might see Fingers take his wallet. Well, maybe you got something there, Casey. You and Miss Williams have never seen that fat guy before. Mm -hmm. No, no, but we'll know him if we see him again, though. Definitely. Your description might fit a thousand guys in this town. 
I want you two to go up to the record room and, and look at some pictures we've got in the files. Uh, oh, great. That'll only take us about four or five hours, though. Oh, Casey. And this was to have been our night off. Oh. I don't recognize any picture here, Logan. Oh, me either. Oh, golly. Captain, why don't you have some good-looking crooks in your files? I'm going to have nightmares looking at pictures of so many ugly men. Oh, you should see the women. <laughs> Logan, you know, there's one picture here that bothers me. It it, it resembles the guy a lot, but, but well, look at the description that goes with it. Nick Pencer, Woolstock Prison, discharged 1944, armed robbery. Age 30, height 5 feet. Well, you said your fat guy was a six-footer and at least 45 years old. Yeah. He weighed a good 250-plus, too. This Nick Pence's weight has given us only 135. Well, they can't be the same man, then. No, no, not a chance. Funny, though, there is a resemblance. Well, uh, we need more than that. Uh, let's all go home and get some sleep. Me yeah. for that. Me, too. I'm so tired, I can't think. I'm falling over. I'll murder anybody who wakes me up before noon tomorrow. Thank you. No, thanks. Oh, 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 oh. Hello. Morning, Annie. Who's this? Wake up, kid. It's Casey. Casey? Oh, oh, Casey. Yeah, Casey, yeah. You remember me, don't you? Uh, yes, I do, and it's only 9 o'clock, and what is the big uh, idea? Annie, Annie, look. I think I know where to look for that fat guy. You do? I certainly do. The old bean wasn't working last night. But when I woke up a few minutes ago, I had it. The strong resemblance between that young half-pint crook, Nick Penser... And our big, fat, 45-year-old guy can't be just coincidental, Annie. They must be relatives, maybe brothers. Mm-hmm, go well, on. Well, I've looked in the phone book and found only one Penser listed. John Penser, contractor, who lives and does business out on Dudley Road. I thought you might like to drive out there with me and see what John Penser looks like. Uh, why don't you have the cops go out and look at him? But Annie, you're not awake yet. Only you and I can identify that fat guy. Besides, if, if you and I find him, Annie, we get, we get an exclusive. The cops are in on it. Every paper in town will have Well, I'm awake now, all right. Where will I meet you? I'll be outside your door with a car in 15 minutes. Casey, I've got to dress. Uh, oh, we'll make it a half an hour, then. We'll make it a full hour, and no sooner. Well, what are you going to dress, yourself or a Christmas tree? Listen, Annie, I can bathe, shave, and get into my clothes in 10 minutes. I put on underwear. Goodbye. <laughs> Getting close to that address, Annie. Yeah. This isn't a very attractive neighborhood. Well, John Pencer contractor can't be much of a concern. And John Pencer contractor may be no relation whatever to the Nick Pencer in the police files. The name's very unusual, Anne. I have a hunch. Uh-oh. There's the place. Yeah. I'll stop here so we can look the joint over. Well, there's a concrete garage attached to the house with a good-sized truck inside and... Room for another. Hmm. Concrete mixer in the workyard. Oh, Casey, established businessman. Don't go in for kidnapping. I think we're on a wild goose chase. Annie, that guy coming out of the garage. Hmm, what about him? He's just a skinny little... Annie, you need glasses and a more photographic memory. He's the man of that police picture. Of course, Nick Penser. Now I know my hunch was right. He's looking over here. Well, he's never seen us before, but I'll get rolling anyway. Now, how can we find out if he has a fat brother? Well... Drop into one of these neighborhood stores and make a few inquiries. Then what? Well, how can I tell until I find out what I hope to find out? Uh, Annie, you're the darndest girl for asking questions. You really mm. are. 
No, let's stop there. No, we'll stop here. We'll go into this little drugstore right here. The druggist usually knows everybody in the neighborhood. Come on. Okay, but I think it would be simpler and more sensible to make inquiries at the precinct police station. I don't want the cops in on this until we know where we stand. Here, let me do the talking. It's your party, wise guy. You handle everything. Uh, what can I do for you young people? Ah, hello, Pop. We're going to have, um... Well, what kind of ice cream soda do you want, Annie? If I must have an ice cream soda, chocolate. Chocolate. Same for me. Uh, two chocolate soda. That's right. Oh, by the way, uh, I'm looking for a party in this neighborhood by the name of Penser. I imagine you know the family well. Penser? Yeah. Never heard the name before. Uh, you never heard of it? Change my order to raspberry. Uh, yes, miss. One raspberry. <clears throat> I'm uh, just a stranger here. Come down from upstate to handle this place while my son's away hunting. Maybe my granddaughter can tell you what you all know. Say, uh, Katie. Yes, Grandpa? Come here. Fellas looking for a party by the name of Penner. Penner? No, not uh, Penner. Pencer. Oh, I know the Pencers. All of them. You do? That's swell. Eh? Mr. Pencil is down the street. Uh-huh. Over his office. He's a contractor. Uh, what's he look like? Is he... Uh, uh, Mr. Pencer's short and skinny and his first name is Nick. Uh, well, Nick Pencer's not the contractor. Yes, he is. Ever since he got out of prison a couple of years ago. You say somebody's gone to prison, Katie? No, Grandpa. They've come out. That serves him right, then. The man's reformed now. Oh, that's bad. Very bad. Oh, Grandpa's a little deaf. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, sister, I I understand that my friend, Nick, has a brother or a cousin. No. Uh, uh, maybe an uncle? No. Uh, here's the sodies. Uh, who gets your raspberry? He does. Uh, here you are, mister. Thanks. And, Mr. Casey, you have earned it. Sister, you mean Mr. Nick Penser has no relatives at all? He's got a sister and a nephew. Oh, that's a great help. How old's the nephew? About ten? No, ma'am. It's the funniest thing. Mr. Gus Penser's a lot older than his uncle. Huh? Mr. Gus is Mr. Nick's partner, I think. And he comes in here all the time. What does Mr. Gus Penser look like? He's tall and fat, and in the face he looks like Mr. Nick. And he give me that chocolate. You take the raspberry. Here's Mr. Gus now. Okay, oh, He's our fat guy. Mr. Gus, these well. people were just asking about you. Your friends are Mr. Uh, Nick. Oh, that's bad. Is that so? He recognizes us, Casey. Yeah. Wasn't it lucky I had dropped in here when I did to find friends of Nick's? Uh, Grandpa, go back to your back room and put me up uh, two bits worth of turpentine. Uh, two bits worth of turpentine? Uh, go along and help him, sissy. He can never find anything. I'm no, sure, no, Mr. Gus. So you two were asking about me. You've been told that we were. I noticed a car outside with a press sign on it. Yours? Yeah. And you were looking for me because of what you happened to see in Franklin's yesterday. If I said no, you wouldn't believe me. Right. This hand in my pocket has a gun in it, mister. So do exactly as I tell you. Okay. Remember, and don't pull anything. Here's a bottle of turps. Thanks, Grandpa. Here's your two bits. Uh, come on with me, folks. You said you wanted to pay Nick a visit. Oh, Casey. We got no choice, Annie. Right. Uh, so long, Grandpa. Hey, ain't you folks going to finish your sodas? No, we lost our appetite. You didn't take even a sip of your raspberry, mister. That's what you think, sister. Get into your car. Both in the front seat. You drive, fella. I'll sit in the back with this gat. Well, I drive, too. Just down the street to next place. Mine. You and I are partners in everything. And he'll be tickled to see your old... 
Let's take a break from Casey Crime Photographer. More after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Now back to Casey, crime photographer. Turn into the work yard and park in our garage. And next to the truck there. Okay. That's fine. Now what do we do? You and your boyfriend don't do anything, lady. And to make sure you don't... You hit Casey with your gun! And you get the shape! That'll keep the two of you quiet for a while. Nick! Nick! Yeah? What do you want, Cut? Come into the garage, quick. Okay. Whose car you got in there? You'll see. Come inside and help me close these doors. Okay. Hey, hey. What's your idea? Take a look inside this car. Who's the guy and a dame? And the two I told you about last night. Saw that dip take the hot dough from my pocket. They got wise to the layout and located us. Hey, police? No. These two are newspaper mugs. I figured they were making this play on their own, so we got to take care of them. Uh, we can't bump them off here. We can. We do it nice, clean, and quiet. Get those big spools of adhesive tape from the house. What are you going to do? You'll see. Get that tape. Yeah. Got the guy all tied up, Gus. And help me with this guy. Yeah. Wrap some more tape around his ankles. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's fixed now and solid. All right. I'll climb into that truck and start the motor, Nick. Oh, the carbon monoxide treatment, huh? Yeah. Nice, clean, and quiet. You just lock them in this closed garage to breathe the gas. Tonight, when it's dark, we get rid of their bodies in their car. Start the motor. my mouth against that fender. Nod your head if you're okay, kid. Good. <coughs> I'm going to try to pull the adhesive tape off your wrists with my teeth. I'm getting lightheaded. Gas is beginning to work. <coughs> I got the tape. Now pull and turn your wrists. Pull more, Annie. <coughs> there, that did it. Your hands are free. Pull the tape off your mouth now. Keep your head down low, kid. Try to hold on. I will, I will. Pull this tape off my hands. You you better let me free my ankles first so I can get to that truck and shut off the motor. No, no, no. Free my hands. Those two guys may be just outside where they can hear. Yes, but... But, but if it keeps on running, we'll, we'll... If it doesn't keep on running, we'll have no second chance like this. Free my hands. All right, all right. I, 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 I've got the end, Lou. I... Pull now. There, does it. Now, unwind your ankles while I get this stuff off of mine. What what good will it do us? We, we, we can't get out of here. We'll get out. Don't this, breathe, Judy. Get out. This garage is solid concrete. And I heard them lock those 
Give me doors when they went out. Doors. I've got my ankles free. Now, hang on, kid. I'm picking you up. What are you going to do? I'm putting you in this truck. This truck? Why? It's taking us out of here. Keep your head down. Okay. I'm driving through those doors. Okay, you are through. Pure air. Wait a minute, look. Also, those two panzer guys, they heard us. Listen, they have guns, too. Step on my gas, Casey. Drive past them. Let's get away. I can't. You, you can't. Uh, What's the I matter? I stole the motor. Duck, they're shooting. Oh, why are they running away? Yeah. They're, they're getting into that car. They're going to try to get away. I can only get this motor started again. Uh, get it. Now, come on. Casey, don't drive toward their car. They'll stop I'm driving into their car. This 10-ton truck does a nice job when it hits a tin can like that. Oh, Casey. My nerves will never be the same again. I'll never recognize mine either. Come on, let's call City Desk. Get the cops out here so we can get to the blue note. I need another pair of glasses. The kind you fill. You didn't kill them two kidnappers when you threw that truck at them, Casey? No, Bethelbert, no. The cops pulled them out of the wreckage in fairly good shape, considering. They'll be able to walk to the chair. How about the ransom money? Did the cops find it? Yeah, yeah. Gus, the fat guy, confessed the Walters kidnapping and told where he and Nick had hidden the dough. Gee, and all because you and Miss Williams did some Christmas shopping. <laughs> Say, what happened to the little dip, Fingers Fogarty? Well, in trying to clear himself of the kidnap and murder charge, Ethelbert, Fingers made so many admissions about his own specialty that the cops can keep him in jail until 1999. Gee, 1999, huh? Good heavens, Casey, what's that coming in the door? Huh? What, what on earth? Hey, hey. What do you say, mister? That's the biggest tree I got on the wagon, okay? Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, now that's what I call a real Christmas tree. Ethelbert, what are you going to do with such a big tree? Well, you couldn't get a little tree in that big room. Prime Photographer, starring Stotts Cotsworth as Casey, is brought to you each Thursday at this time by the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation. Crime Photographer, directed by John Deese, is written by Alonzo Dean Cole and is based on the fictional character of Casey, created by George Harmon Cox. The original music is by Archie Blyer, and the program features Miss Leslie Woods as Anne and John Gibson as Ethelbert. Herman Chittison is the Blue Note pianist. Thursday night on CBS is the biggest show in town, so stay tuned for exciting dramatizations on Reader's Digest Radio Edition, which follows immediately over most of these stations. Now for our sponsor, the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation, and all of us on the show, this is Tony Marvin wishing every one of you a joyful and happy holiday at this Christmas time. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. And that's Casey, crime photographer from December 19, 1946, with Christmas Shopping, starring Stotts Cotsworth, also in the cast, Leslie Woods and John Gibson, sponsored by Anchor Hawking Glass. It's heard on CBS. Before we tune into Phil Harris and Alice Fay, 
I want to remind all of our listeners about our main sponsor, Remind Magazine. And I'm holding the December issue in my hand. And look at this, Lisa. Luke is on the cover of a December issue of Remind. One of my favorites. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Mary Tyler Moore, there was nobody else like her. And there's all kinds of stars who we lost in 2017. Roger Moore, Aaron Moran, Glenn Campbell, Jerry Lewis... We lost Chuck Berry and uh, our good pal Adam West, and uh, other stars are uh, are in this as well. Of course, like Hugh Hefner, Tom Petty, Monty Hall, Don Rickles, and uh, it's a great uh, a great uh, tribute to all of these terrific people we lost in uh, in the year of 2017. There's also great articles uh, and trivia contests and the puzzles and games, and you just will love Remind Magazine. If you have never seen an issue of Remind, just go to any Barnes & Noble or Walmart store, pick up a copy on the newsstand, or, best way, go to their website, remindmagazine.com, and if you uh, subscribe from their website, you can save about 60% off the newsstand price. They're our main sponsor here, and if you like Hollywood 360, you are going to also like Remind Magazine, so check it out. All right, it's time now for Phil Harris and Alice Faye. This is from December 26, 1948. Phil's really upset because he hasn't gotten a present from his sponsor, Rexall. I totally get that. Let's tune in to part one of the Phil Harris and Alice Faye Show. Good health to all from Rexall. Yes, it's Sunday. Time for the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show. Presented by the makers of Rexall Drug Products and your Rexall Family Druggist. And now your Rexall Family Druggist brings you the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show. Written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevrolet. With Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Robert North, Walter Scharf and his music. And starring Alice Faye and Phil Harris. It's the day after Christmas and the Harris family is gathered in the living room. Alice is watching the children play with their toys. William is checking over the gifts. And a puzzled Phil is examining the fireplace. I still don't understand it. Frankie and the kids said they saw him standing right here. I didn't see him, and yet I... Hey, kids! Are you sure you saw Santa Claus standing here? Of course we did, Daddy. He was standing right where you are when he ate the cookies and drank the glass of milk Uncle Frankie left on the mantel. Yeah. Yeah, the cookies and milk were gone. Hey, Alice, did he ever return the glass? (laughs) Oh, Phil, stop trying to figure it out. You know, honey, I've been looking at all the toys the girls got. Why don't we pack some of them up and send them to children who didn't get as much? Hey, Alice, that's a swell idea. Hey, kids. Yes, Daddy? Look, you girls got so many toys, we think you ought to take half of them and give them to other children. It'd make them very happy. Gee, Daddy, giving our toys to other kids is a wonderful idea, and it would make them very happy, except for one thing. What? We ain't gonna do it. Now, you stop talking like Uncle Frankie. (laughs) We ain't gonna do it. What do you mean we ain't gonna do it? Well, gee whiz, Daddy. We don't mind giving them away. But can't we play with them a little while? We just got them. Well, that's not the right attitude. You gotta learn to share things. Now, you girls run along while we pack some of them. Phil, maybe we ought to wait a little while. No, we gotta teach them to be generous. Toys aren't that important. Let's start packing them. A kid has to learn to share every... Alice, don't touch my electric trains! 
packing them for some underprivileged father who didn't get a set for Christmas. We weren't talking about giving father's toys away. <laughs> Just the kids. We got to teach them that the true spirit of Christmas is to share. And that it's better to give than to receive. Don't you agree, Willie? Willie? Hmm? What are you figuring up there? Well, as your business manager, I'm taking inventory of your Christmas presents. Philip, you manage very badly. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, you spent $342.73 on presents outgoing, and on presents incoming, you only received gifts valued at $325.22. In short, Yuletide has left you $17.51 in the red. <laughs> Well, heavens to Betsy, I'm ruined. <laughs> Don't stand there, Willie. File me a petition in bankruptcy. Get going. Holla help. Do oh, something. Willie, Willie, there's a limit to being a bookkeeper. But does everything always have to balance? Well, I just happen to be a firm believer in equitable exchange. Yeah, yeah. You always have to get your money's worth. When Phyllis was born, you wanted us to have her appraised before we paid the doctor bill. Exaggerating, <laughs> Philip. I'm proud of the fact that I'm a practical man. But look, Willie, what I'm trying to tell you is you can overdo it. Like the presents you gave the kids for Christmas. And what's wrong with a porcelain umbrella stand? <laughs> I think it's an excellent gift for a child. Oh, yes, no kid should be without a porcelain umbrella stand. That's a must. You and your gifts. Hey, Willie, by the way, what did you give that girl you're going with now? I mean, you know, that dame that works with you at the bookkeeping department at Rexall. I gave her a beautiful gift. A genuine green celluloid eye shade with cuffs to match. <laughs> oh, that lucky girl. That's as close to getting to heaven as anything I know. Yeah. She gave me a very nice gift, too. And Rexall was quite generous with me, too. They gave me a large bottle of Russian leather. That's a man's cologne, you know. I have some on now. <laughs> How do I smell, Philip? Like a leathery Russian. <laughs> it's a wonderful odor. Very masculine. Wait a minute. How come Willie got a present from Rexall and I didn't? Everybody on the show got something from Mr. Scott but me. Sorry I went to the expense of sending him a present. I should have spent that extra money on Frankie. Well, I think you should have spent more money on Frankie. You didn't get him a very nice gift. Well, you know. it was something he could use. Uh, what What was it, Philip? Well, well, he's always admired my wavy hair. <laughs> so I sent him a bottle of my special blended wave set. <laughs> you ought to be ashamed of yourself, Phil. Sending your best friend a $2 gift. Well, Frankie don't care about the cost. He's... Uh-oh. Coming! Frankie's grateful for anything I give him. He doesn't care how little I spend as long as I remember him. Oh, hiya, Frankie. You cheapskate. <laughs> Frankie, what's the matter with you? A $2 Christmas present. Frankie, Frankie. Shame on you. That's not the Christmas spirit. The important thing is that I gave you something. It's not the value of a gift. It's the thought behind it. Just as easy to have an expensive thought as a cheap one. <laughs> that wave set ain't cheap. I get it for $2 a bottle only because I buy it in bulk. 
Two tank cars at a time. <laughs> Not only that, it has a wonderful odor. Did you smell the stuff? Yeah. Well, how'd you like it? If I didn't have a strong heart, the pull motor squad never would have revived me. <laughs> be so funny. I'll have you know that my hair preparation is made of some of the finest ingredients that money can buy. It contains imported lanolin with an Arabian coal tar base, the purest Italian olive oil, all of which is skillfully blended into an aromatic pomade. Well, la di da Look, Remley, if you don't like the stuff, get rid of it. Pour it down the drain. I did. All right. Now, <laughs> just forget about it. Had to call a plumber to get the wave out of the pipes. <laughs> Look, Remley, forget it. My block has the only zigzag sewer in town. <laughs> I'm glad I got some decent presents from other people. I got a swell gift from my girlfriend. Nice present from Mr. Scott of Rexall. And a beautiful... So you got nice presents for... Rexall? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got something from Rexall, too? Well, yeah. He sent me a magnum of Russian leather. <laughs> I tried some. You know, it's wonderful stuff. Well, you like it, huh? Much better than vodka. <laughs> Frankie, you drank it? What do you expect me to do with it? Well, some people rub it on themselves. What a sneaky way to take a drink. <laughs> Look, let's start all over again. Do you mind? What I'm trying to say is I can't understand why Rexall sent you a present. Well, why not? They realize how important I am to their program. The more important you are, the bigger the present. What'd you get, Curly? <laughs> Nothing That figured Bill, Bill, I just thought of something and I want Oh, hello, Frank Hi, Alice Hey, honey Hey, Frankie got a present from Rexall, too Look, are you sure that, that they didn't send us anything? Well, look, that's what I started to say You see, they sent the children's toys And I vaguely remember there was another box with it I hid the girls' toys, and I must have put the other box someplace, too. Well, then don't stand there. Let's start looking for it. Alice, you look in the closets downstairs, and Frankie and I look upstairs. Now, you see, Waldo, I got a present from Rexall, too. All right. So you got a present from them, too. Probably something they were overstocked in. <laughs> all right, all right. Don't be jealous, Remley. Be nice to your fellow man. Because if you don't, when you get up to them pearly gates, there's going to be a reckoning. There. It's all packed, Alice. Gee, Phyllis, I'm glad we're giving one of our toys away to somebody else. Doesn't it make you feel good? No. But Mommy and Daddy want us to do it. It won't hurt to make the old folks happy. Hey. Maybe we should give more than one toy away. Maybe we should... Hold it! Let's not go overboard, Myrtle. <laughs> We're making enough of a sacrifice just giving this gift away. Yeah, it breaks my little heart to part with this porcelain umbrella stand. <laughs> Where does Uncle Willie dig up these corny presents? <laughs> the package looks nice with this blue ribbon on it. 
I'll just stand on this chair and put it up in Mommy's closet. Yeah, now come on. Let's go outside and play with our toys before Daddy breaks them all. Well, we got to keep looking, that's all. I didn't find no package in the hall closet. Did you find anything in the guest room, Remley? No, there's nothing in there except an old couple. <laughs> A couple? Hmm? Oh, 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 that. That's just two dummies. We put them in the bed to discourage mooching relatives. They'd <laughs> <laughs> be scared there for a minute, old couple. <laughs> scared me too. <laughs> sure. Well, we looked all over the house and no package from Rexall. <laughs> Yes, they just didn't send you anything. Frankie, how can you be so petty and apprehensible? <laughs> hey, wait a minute. I haven't looked in Alice's closet yet. Come on. Huh? Well, look, if Alice put it away, that'd be the most likely place. Oh, man, I hope it's in here. Hey, there it is. There it is. I knew they wouldn't forget me. <laughs> look up there, Remy. Look at it. And all tied up in a pretty blue ribbon. Mm. My present came in a much bigger box. Come on. Now, come on, help me. I'll hand it down to you. Okay. This present costs more than mine, I'll kill myself. <laughs> That's the first portion of the Phil Harris and Alice Face Show from December 26, 1948. We'll have more of Hollywood 360 after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Next time, it's the conclusion to the Phil Harris and Alice Faye Christmas show of 1948. Then, it's the Whistler and a Christmas show from 1946. You won't want to miss it. We'll see you next time, right here on Hollywood 360.